0: Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all
1: things violent. Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. It has been an incredible week. Last week was a good week too, although if you listened to last week's episode, I was a little bummed about what the orthopedic said about my knee needing surgery and my hip needing a replacement. But... My wife had some awesome talks with me over the weekend, getting me to reframe things, rethink things. And this week I trained my ass off. So I mean, not crazy hard training, but at least I'm going in there. So Monday and Wednesday, I went in at 6 a.m. Monday and Tuesday, I went 6 p.m. with my wife. Last night, I went, Wednesday, I went to the seven o'clock class. Well, I got there at 7.30 because I didn't want to do the wrestling part of it. I don't trust my knee with stand-up stuff. On the ground, I have to be careful, but that's much easier. There's no pivoting or anything like that. So I feel like I could handle myself. I was a little intimidated going in last night, middle of class, already beat up, kind of tired from being up all day, but ended up being awesome. Some great guys in there, very technical, and just cool to work with. So that was a lot of fun. And when I was in there, coach asked at the, the comp class, he asked like, who wants to compete in the next 60 days? Everyone else puts their hand up. I'm like, maybe you know last week i was like "Fuck, i need a hip replacement and knee surgery this week i'm like you know what let's do it my son my daughter my wife and i are all going to compete august 12th we haven't signed up yet i want to talk to the coach make sure he's cool with all of us competing i think he should be my daughter is getting back into it i should be training tonight with my wife i know i'm gonna go in tomorrow morning my son trains in about an hour so we're all pretty excited about it yeah it's kind of cool to be able to do that as a family and I'm pretty sure I am going to have my very good friends, Luca and Carl, come out. Those are our buddies from Rhode Island. We've been trying to figure out what we were going to do that first week of August. Wasn't sure if we were going to go back east and hang out with them or if they were going to come out here. But I think they're going to come out here. I think Luca may compete. And... Carl can take some awesome photos I owe Carl a ton of thanks for all the incredible photography he has done for me he did the vicious whisper stuff he did the cover for TBI or CTE he did 25 perfect days just an incredible photographer the stuff he's done for my family has been awesome he has his father project that he is making a book for with all these awesome father photos and his thoughts on those relationships so very excited to see him that'll be a lot of fun august not too far away but uh, yeah i have six pounds seven pounds to lose i haven't been really caring about my weight so i probably walk at around 225 maybe lately it's probably been more like 227 but this week with the extra training i haven't been eating as much i'm slimming down the competition weight i believe i have to be under 217 and then there's a bigger competition i believe in december we'll do as a family that one ought to be 215 which is cool because over that I got to go against some big ass dudes. And I do not want to do that, especially with not being able to really use one of my legs. So that's part of the reason why I've been feeling good. You know, just the extra endorphins, being able to train, getting over the whole fear of being injured or needing surgery or whatever else. Like, I'm just going to go until I break. I'm still going to look into the stem cells. I actually only to be talking to a friend who did a the stem cells in columbia they have an awesome project out there so i'm going to find out about that see if that is an option and maybe maybe that will happen but in the meantime yeah i'm just going to go until my body breaks might as well just get surgery when i mess it up i think that's a good option oh before i forget try not to die the wild west is now free so pick that up on amazon you get the kindle copy for free today through monday and uh we'll be playing at the end of the episode so we'll play the next chunk i don't know what chapter we're on i'll give you like 20 or 30 minutes i'll try to cut off at a good point and then after that there's probably one more day so that's what's going on there Uh, another reason why i'm flying very high right now yesterday we put out try not to die at ghostland we decided to give 100 copies to advanced readers Duncan shared it, I believe, I don't know. It was right before I went into acupuncture. An hour later when I get out, he's like, dude, all those hundred are gone. So people just flew on this. They were disappointed when they didn't get the copy. Amazing to see what kind of response that is. All these people that are hungry for these books. I guessed, I mean... When I first approached Duncan, I saw his career was taken off. I could see how people responded to him. I saw how his fans liked him as an author, as a person. I got to read his stuff. I've talked a lot about how much I enjoy his writing, especially The Midwives. That was one of my favorites. I love Womb, Gross Out. Just everything has been awesome. Ghostland's incredible. So for him to do Trying Diet Ghostland with me, I was like, okay, this is a very good book. This is a book I would guarantee people are going to dig it. And, you know, in the first day, already a ton of positive feedback. I think it's only going to get better. That's an awesome thing going on. I also just released the Try Not to Die reading this sampler. That has the first two chapters and a death scene or two from each of the seven books in the Try Not to Die series. I put it out for free on Barnes & Noble libraries, everywhere you can get ebooks other than Amazon. Amazon should be price checking it and making it free soon. Hopefully it will be done, I don't know, a couple of days. We shall see. But if you happen to notice that there's still 99 cents on Amazon and you want it free on Amazon, then send them a message saying, hey, it's free everywhere else can you guys make it free? And they probably should. So hopefully that will happen. Otherwise, I also have a book funnel link. I'll share that with my newsletter subscribers tomorrow. So anyone could download that sampler for free. I want you guys to share it with your friends. Anyone who you think will like the Try Not To Die series, this is awesome because they can get a look at it quickly, like, okay, do I want to read Grandma's House? Eh, I don't know about that. Like, do, oh, how about how about the telepathy one? How about Brightside? Oh, no, no, let's do the fantasy. I'm into fantasy. I'm going to check out the Wizard's Tower. Let's see if I like it or not. So that's just a cool way to do that. And if you didn't get early access to Try Not to Die at Ghostland, that's a way to read the first two chapters of at death scene. And the only way for anyone to read the first two chapters of Try Not to Die at Death Fest. So... Check that shit out. I also, oh, for newsletter subscribers, there is one last chance to get the advanced copy of Trying to Die at Ghostland, the ebook copy, and that is to be one of my newsletter subscribers. Open up that newsletter and click the link. So it will be in there, but only, I don't know, I think I only have like 90 more copies that I'm doing, and we're cutting cutting it off completely. So... That's pretty awesome though, because, well, I forgot, after we did that 100, Duncan put out, I gave him another link for another 100 that he shared with his newsletter subscribers, and that was gone almost immediately. So 200 people reading it right there, that's amazing. Tomorrow I will put it in my newsletter and we'll finish off with another 100. 300 people reading this book before it is released is pretty incredible. Usually with other books, If I had done that with other books, I'd never do. Sometimes I'll have maybe 10 people reading it early. I've never been very good at launching books because I'm always so busy, like next project, next project, next project. But this one, no, this is cool. This is going to be amazing. Other books, I'd probably be way more nervous, but this one, I'm incredibly confident. Even if only, let's say only one out of six people left a review, if we can kick this thing off with 50 reviews, that's pretty amazing. So very excited about that. The series is picking up steam. I just put Trinus Die at Death S up for pre-order on Amazon. I'm gonna have that in KDP exclusive for the first three months when it comes out. That won't release until October, but this way you can get it for like a dollar cheaper. It's only 2.99 for the pre-order and you won't have to remember when it comes out. So that's a nice little bonus. Check it out, tell your friends all that good stuff. I want to blow this series up. Looks like it's gonna happen. So thank you for all the support. Another thing I was pumped about, I had an awesome conversation with Pat, the editor of Try Not to Die at Ghostland and at Death Fest. We We're talking about his Try Not to Die at the Meadows Spires Mall, which is going to be really cool. I really love Pat's writing. I know it's going to be an excellent book. They'll be coming out probably later next year. And But he's also already hired him. I have a contract with him to do the first of the Death Fest Confessions. So that's Based off of trying to die at Death Fest, they're going to be individual stories written by different authors. I have a contract with him, with John Palisano. I'm going to send more details to Duncan Ralston to see if he can do it. Those stories won't be released and maybe even written until after Death Fest is released so the earliest we'd even see those is november but that's cool that gives everyone plenty of time read the book figure out a short story and write it each of these is each of the stories is going to be from one of the different bands and written by a different author so that will be really cool great marketing for the book and like how fun will that be for me to read these stories about these bands that glenn and i created so that's super cool i'm gonna really dig that just like i loved reading Ghostland because it's like Man, I feel like I was the first person to be able to read this continuation of another author's work. So that made me feel special. Hopefully you guys are going to dig it. I think you will. <sighs> oh, other great news. The shirt just reminded me. I'm wearing a Machine Head shirt. And I'm going to go see them. Shit, I believe it's in September. That's the Metal Injection Festival. I don't know who's going with me. My wife usually goes with me. I don't know whether or not she'll want to. I think she will but there are a lot of bands playing. Machine Head, really wanna see them. Testament, that's a band I grew up on, I love Testament. Haven't heard them in a while, but this is gonna make me get back into them, make me check out the stuff that I haven't been paying attention and enjoy their old music. King, a band that's from, I believe they're from Whittier, right around here where I live. And Ex Mortis playing as well. Also a Whittier-based band. So Whittier will be in the house. Pretty cool. And the last thing that happened this week, I had a podcast with Dr. Mike Simpson. I was on his Podcast The Mind of the Warrior that came out earlier this week. I will try to remember to put a link down below, but if not, check him out. He is the author of Honed. Doc Simpson is the man I turn to when I have questions about weapons in my fiction, action scenes, injuries, whether or not stuff's realistic or not. Now, no blame to him for anything that I wrote that isn't realistic. I haven't run everything past him, but usually if I have a question about something, if I do want to check something, I go to him and he's awesome. He's also a purple belt, maybe higher in jiu-jitsu. We're able to talk about that, talk about training. We always have a great conversation. So definitely check out that, the mind of the warrior. He also has on a ton of interesting guests, fighters, a uh, wide range of people, but I think you guys will dig it. All right. I'm out of here. I'm going to leave you on trying to die in the wild west. Not sure what part, but we'll figure it out. Just go with the story. If you want to hear the rest of it, go back to the last two episodes or pick it up where you can buy audiobooks. I think it's everywhere. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have an incredible week. Peace.
0: Get to the back of the store. To the barrels. Mr. Woodman says in the most serious tone I've ever heard him use. We know better than to dilly-dally and rush for the back. The voice is getting louder. I think I saw them come in here, a gruff sounding voice says. My gut's going all tight like a spring. Mr. Woodman beats us to the barrels, holding one lid up for Jolene, one for me. Jolene slides inside quick as a rattler in a gopher hole. Mr. Woodman taps me on my back, urges me in mine. Go on, then, he says. Get in. I take off my hat and slink inside the empty barrel as Mr. Woodman puts the lid on the top. Be quiet, kiddos, he whispers. It's dark inside the barrel and smells like oats, my eyes and nose already itching. There's a small hole facing Jolene's barrel, everything else blocked from view. Heavy footsteps fall on the floorboards. Now... We saw a pair of customers come in here, says a deep voice. Funny thing is, I don't see them inside here nowhere. I get people in and out all the time, Mr. Woodman says. What's so funny about that? There's a loud oomph that must have come from Mr. Woodman. Now you listen to me, old man, the guy says, his voice deep and raw. You know who we are. Y'all, the Jumpers gang, Mr. Woodman clears his throat. We all did lots of business here over the years. There's no need for this, Scorpion. That's right. So, is this any way to treat a customer? Hold back the merchandise they're looking for. It ain't like that, Mr. Woodman says. Just ain't no one in here. There's the sound of something sliding. Jolene's out of her barrel, bent beside it and waving me out. Come on, she mouths. One of the men says, I saw you over by the back when we were walking in. Plenty of places for them kids to hide in here. That's so, Scorpion asks. You harboring criminals, old man. No, I, Mr. Woodman says. Jolene's gonna get caught if I don't hurry up and scoot out of this barrel. I hold my breath and say a prayer, push open the lid and peek as the men threaten to burn the store to the ground. I use Jolene's shoulder to steady myself, using every bit of grace not to make a sound. You ain't being honest with us, one of them hollers. He ain't, the biggest of the three yells. We gots to show him who's boss here. I follow Jolene behind a huge rack of trays and jars and then dart over to the large metal contraption that looks like a piece of a train engine. We bend down and hide behind it, my head sticking out just enough to see if they're coming. They in here moose. We seen 'em come in. Blackbearded Scorpion says as he heads over to where we just were. He kicks one barrel and pulls out his pistol. Now we just got to find them. There's a loud bang and a flash from the muzzle. Mr. Woodman covers his ears, looks horrified. Scorpion, there's no need. Scorpion tells Moose, lift it, let's see. Moose does as he says. Ain't no one in there. Scorpion turns toward Mr. Woodman. Where'd they go? Where are you hiding them? Who? Don't play dumb with me, Scorpion says the kids, the boy and the girl. They ain't here. Was trying to tell you. They left a while ago. Scorpion shakes his head. Which way'd they go? Looked to me like they were heading over to the Sidewinder. Hard to say exactly from behind the counter. That's so? Mr. Woodman wipes the blood leaking from his nose. That's so. Scorpion smiles and reaches inside his pocket he throws a coin on the floor. Sorry about the trouble, old man. No trouble at all, Mr. Woodman says, bending down to pick it up. Moose and Scorpion head out the front door, each helping themselves to a handful of jerky on the way out. Jolene keeps us quiet for a few seconds, waits to make sure they're gone. I don't want to turn my back on Mr. Woodman and run, but if these guys come round again, they'll see us. Where to, then? Sheriffs, we can make it if we run. We'd be smart to use the path behind the rock ridge to stay out of sight. I'm game, I say. Mr. Woodman standing in the doorway, holding a handkerchief over his bloody nose. Glad you two were all right. Overheard you playing there. Sounds like a good un. Sorry for the trouble, Mr. Woodman, I say. I'll make it up to you. We'll make it up to you, Jolene adds. He waves us off. Just be safe, he says. Now, you best skedaddle. We make it behind the ten-foot-tall upcropping of stone that stretches for about a half-mile behind the town, only the roofs of the Sidewinder and Cahoots visible. We can't see out, they can't see us, Jolene says, adjusting the hat Mr. Woodman insisted she wear. My heart beats slow down now that we're a little safer. With a throbbing head and a dry throat, all I want to do is have a cold drink and collapse into a heap. I'm not sure how I'm going to physically make it through the rest of the day. Jolene looks equally parched, her lips cracked. I point at the large, flat expanse between us and Telegraph Hill. That's my way out of here. She says, No way. We'd be too easy to see and pick off. We? Well, we're in this deep. Probably best we stick together, she says, her brilliant blue eyes on me. And I never did thank you for taking care of fingers. What nothing, I say, trying to block out the crash of the bag against his face in the shattering window. Just glad he didn't hurt you. The sheriff is down at that end of town, Jolene says, leading us out from the ridge and along the back of the buildings. Don't be rushing now. Don't look suspicious. I'm trying, I say, just waiting for a jumper to leap out with his six-shooter blazing. Keep your chin down and your feet steppin', she says. The mole that sticks its head up out from the ground gets whacked with the hammer after all. I'm going to heed that wisdom, I tell her. My paws told me the same. The day has heated up a good deal, the sun soaking all the moisture from my skin. My face feels tighter my scalp covered with a layer of sticky sand and dirt, which makes it itch just enough to be irritating. It's going to be a long bath to get it all out. There's about forty yards of nothing between us and the back steps to the sheriff's station. I say, you wait here and I'll make sure it's clear. We, Jolene says, pointing at her, then me. Remember? I nod and we creep over to the jail side of the building. That's so small it could fit inside cahoots. I peek through the barred windows. Don't look like no prisoners, just a drunk every now and again. Jolene says, heading for the front. She stops and I nearly bump into her. Shh. People are talking inside the office. Maybe at the front door. One is clearly the sheriff. The other I don't know. Jolene duck walks closer to the corner. A window above our heads. She whispers, it's Jumpin' John himself. Won't be a problem turning a blind eye, Sheriff Sweeton says. So you'll be preoccupied on the west side of town come 915? John asks. Reckon I will be. That doesn't make any sense if he's talking time with it being afternoon. I ease up to the window and peek. Jumpin' John, with his perfectly oiled and trimmed mustache, is handed over a small leather pouch, the cleanest, most polished criminal to terrorize this region. The sheriff shakes the bag and says, Mrs. Sweeten is sure going to love the steed this will buy her, he says. You know what they say, happy wife means happy life. The men laugh. For a brief second I picture my mother. So beautiful. Taken too soon. But there's no time for that. Need to keep my wits. The men shake hands and agree it's been a pleasure. One uncomfortable bit of business, though, John says. There was a little mishap at the Sidewinder, where some kids pushed Henry Anderson out the window. Executed him in cold blood. I ducked down and turned to Jolene. My fear reflected in her eyes. Her hand's shaken so I grab hold of it, squeezing it to assure her we'll be okay. Sheriff Sweeten says, I heard, and we're looking for him, mark my words. That kind of violence ain't acceptable here. We'll make sure they're brought to justice. By justice, what are you thinking? Still mulling that over, Sheriff Sweeten says. But it ain't gonna be easy. And I'll make sure you're fairly compensated for your loss. John says, Sounds like a fair deal to me. What do you want me to do with the remains? Asks Sheriff Sweeton. Bury him. Burn him. Cook him. John says, His body don't matter now that he's with God. Understood. Sheriff Sweeton says, We'll do him proper as we do in Placerita Town. Thank you, Chet, John says. You're a good man. Everything's silent for a couple seconds, and then a horse gallops off and the door of the station bangs shut. Jolene nudges my arm, leans in, her breath on my ear. You realize what this means? The 915? I don't, but I just say, I can't believe none of this. The 915, she whispers, they're going to knock up the train. I'm just so mad at the sheriff I can barely think. The dirty crook should be saying we're heroes and owed a reward for bringing in a jumper, all the posters with the big letters dead or alive. Who can we tell if the sheriff himself is in on it, Jolene asks. We gotta worry about ourselves. Jolene lets go of my hand and wipes her palms on her skirt what about everyone on that train? You know what will happen if they board. As hard as I try, I can't think of anyone to tell. I just want to go home. If only we could get a message through the train, she says. What good will it do? They're firing right into the jumpers. Maybe they got a marshal or an expressman on board. We can warn them not to stop. So how do we alert them, I ask. We ain't got much time. Jolene stands up with her hands on her hips, surveys the area. We can try the tax shop. They got a telegraph. I don't have a better idea and want to get away from the sheriffs. I'm all for us trying. Jolene looks down the street toward the sidewinder. Or we could turn to Big Bill, warn him about the sheriff and see if he can round up some gunslingers. I just wish this day was done and I was far, far away from Placerita Town. If we can't trust the law, who can we trust? We can trust each other, Jolene says, gripping my hand and helping me to my feet. We at least have that. Big Bill and the baddest bunch of gunslingers in Placerita town wouldn't be a match for the jumpers. And I'm not about to talk to a crooked swine like Sweeten who'd side with the devil. I tell Jolene, let's go find that telegraph. Jolene leads the way, taking us around the sheriff's and across the street. Our eyes looking out for the gang. The front door of the tack shop is shut, no one wandering outside. Jolene pulls me along and says, Maybe the Lansdales are inside. They're far away from here if they're smart, I say. Probably closed up shop as soon as they saw the jumpers coming over Telegraph Hill. Jolene tries the door, finds it's locked, looks defeated. Is nothing going to go our way? I notice the stables behind the tack shop. It's okay, I tell her. Let's get out of the sun a minute. I'm about ready to pass out. Probably need some water, Jolene says as she heads for the stables, where there's only the low neighing and snorting of the horses, no human voices. She lets us through the unlocked main gate. We'll find some inside, I promise. Funny they're not shut up, I say. They only lock up the office. Most stables are kept this way on account of desert fires. Jolene says. That way, if the owners aren't around, anyone close can open the gates and let the animals out. The idea is to save their lives and the livelihood of their keepers. Most of the animals will return to the same spot once the fires settle. It's home for them. It's where they get their food. It's all and everything they know. Makes total sense, I say. Glad I don't spot any gangsters or corrupt lawmen. Just that anyone can come on in if they want. Do what they want. like us. Yup, I say, just like us. The stable's smell is a hundred times better than Pa's shop. The horses, the wet hay, the scat, the grain, the wood. One day I'll have a stable of my own, a horse of my own, I say. I believe you will, she says. Just gotta get through all this first. There are horses on either side of the midway, names on the stalls. Jolene calls them out. Dune Rider? Peacekeeper? Santa Fuente? Thunder? The horses seem to nod and acknowledge her. They feel safe. She points out the spigot with a bucket underneath. Oh, small miracles. Before I can tell Jolene to go first, she's already on her knees, mouth to the spigot, water pouring down her throat and running down her face and neck, drenching her shirt all the way through. Jolene wets her hat and puts it back on her head. Leans right under to drink more. Gonna save some for me? I ask. I forgot you were there a sec, she says, getting to her feet, the shirt clinging to her curves. Oh, it's okay, I say, hoping I ain't blushing. I drop to my knees and ease the handle on, taking it easy with the water in case we gotta do any running. Jolene points out the room at the back of the stables. That's where all the storage and other business takes place she says. Doubt there'll be anything that'll help us. Once the canteen is filled, I shut off the water and head her way. There's a ladder leading up to the hayloft. That'd be a great spot to stay put, wait until this is blown over. The train, she says. It's out of our hands, I say, motioning at the locked shop. We tried. Well, I'm not ready to quit, Jolene says, disappearing into the storage room. I follow her, stopping dead in my tracks at the last stall. Now who are you? I ask the stunning mare behind the gate. She's everything I've ever dreamt of in a horse. Light brown hair that glistens with every movement. Wise, wide eyes that indicate a good deal of intelligence. Not too large, either, like a Clydesdale. Jolene returns to my side. She's a grey Andalusian. Amazing creature. No wonder she's all the way in the back here, out of sight. What a beauty. There's no name tag on her gate. I offer her my hand and say, You ain't supposed to be here long, are you? Probably going out to sail, aren't you, girl? She rubs her nose against my hand. I bend to the barrel of carrots on the ground and grab a pair. Here you go, I say with a pet. A little something for your time. On the back wall of her stall is a small wooden sign. Painted across in big floral letters is Mountain Fire. I stand back. Mountain Fire. The Andalusian princess of the West. Wow. Pleasure to meet you. She snorts in response, happy. Man, if I had the money, I'd ride you home today. Hmm, Jolene says. It'll probably get me in a heap of trouble, but we could borrow her. No way, I say, and get shot for horse theft. My father's been friends with Jim Lansdale since before I was born. I'll leave a note, pin it to the door. I'm debating what to do when a loud boom makes us jump. Blam! I drop to the ground, pulling Jolene with me. Blam! Jolene pushes my hand off her. They ain't shooting at us. I get to my knees, hear someone far off yelling, Get your hands up! Oh shit, I say. Is that the bank? Blam! She nods, no longer looking like she wants to be the hero anymore. We should leave. Leave or hide.